Now let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture reading for today comes from the Common English Bible, and our reading for today comes from Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23. Then Jesus called the crowd again and said, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing outside of a person can enter and contaminate a person in God's sight. Rather, the things that come out of a person contaminate the person. After leaving the crowd... He entered a house where his disciples asked him about that riddle. He said to them, Don't you understand either? Don't you know that nothing from the outside that enters a person has the power to contaminate? That's because it doesn't enter into the heart, but into the stomach. And it goes out into the sewer. By saying this, Jesus declared that no food could contaminate a person in God's sight. It's what comes out of a person that contaminates someone in God's sight. It's from the inside, from the human heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual sins, thefts, murders, adultery, greed, evil actions, deceit, unrestrained immorality, envy, insults, arrogance, and foolishness. All these evil things come from the inside and contaminate a person in God's sight. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, we started this series on parables many weeks ago with a parable that Jesus explains to the disciples. And we end, fittingly, with a parable that has Jesus explaining the meaning to his disciples. In today's parable... Jesus calls the crowd and says, hey, listen, nothing outside a person is going to contaminate them in the sight of God. It's the things that come out of a person that contaminate. And that's the entirety of this actual parable. Some might even argue if it is a parable. But the disciples want answers to this seeming riddle. Somewhere hidden in this is something they don't get. What exactly does he mean? Now, before this, there had been some issues talking about having to wash, to not be contaminated before you eat. And so some of this has to do with ritual purity. But Jesus goes on to explain to the disciples, anything you put into your body, anything you eat, goes into the stomach, goes out into the sewer, and that's that. That's not going to contaminate you in God's sight. But the things that come out of you will contaminate because they come from the heart. That it's all the evil thoughts, all of the sins we commit, are sins of the heart, not of our stomachs. Now, one thing I do feel like I have to clear up a little is that we often see this, and admittedly I have as well, uh, as a polemic against the dietary rules of the day. But I think if we took it solely as that, we would miss quite a lot that's going on here. Dietary rules are about keeping clean, and 
Before this, there was talk about having to wash, to purify oneself before eating, to be ritually clean. But even trying to find out what the punishment would be for violating the dietary rules is tricky. Because there doesn't seem to be a standard, this is it, that we can just say, here's what happens. Now I know with Thanksgiving coming up, food is definitely on the mind. But today's reading seems to be talking about something else, about the difference between ritual impurity and moral impurity. We often put a big weight on the whole concept of clean and unclean and how all that plays out, but I don't think that actually comes into play much here. Lots of things could make you unclean. Burying the dead made you unclean, but that was important and required. Ritual impurity was something that would often just require, as the name implies, a ritual cleansing to be made right. And you're done. Moral impurity was from the types of things that Jesus lists in our reading today. And the reason I want to clarify this is because sometimes we can get caught up in thinking that this is only about dietary rules or about clean and unclean. And I would say that it was more an aside to the point Jesus is actually making in his parable today. If you're going to be worried about what you're putting into the body, you should be even more worried about what's coming out. That if you are concerned about being contaminated from what you eat, you should be even more concerned about the things from within. The evil within separates you from God. Now, I got to thinking about this. And I think that Jesus is saying an awful lot here. Because he's also saying that the things that come from within are things that we have the power to change. Some people like to rest on the old adage, the devil made me do it. And for that, I would say... What was the devil doing in your heart in the first place? Now, the problem is that these are things that just are within us. But they're also things that we have to choose. That it is from within us that evil thoughts come. So I wanted to look at this a little deeper. Because to me, this is saying, if you're going to worry about, be worried about trivial matters, about those little things, shouldn't you be extra worried about the most important things in your life? Because these are the things that keep you from loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. These are not things that you can simply wash away. These are not simply things that you can undo by following a few sets of prescribed rules and getting back up and thinking you're fine. These are the things that lead us down a path of destruction. 
But to me, it's also saying that we shouldn't be so concerned about the evil outside unless we have confronted the evil within. And that's where this really started to resonate for me, because it's about an internal dialogue that we have to be willing to have. And it's important that we have that dialogue with ourselves, and it's important that we include Christ in that dialogue. Because we often think that we can overcome everything on our own. If it's within me, I can take care of it myself. But can you? Really? Can you stop yourself from having bad thoughts about others? Can you stop yourself from thinking about how much somebody upsets you? And having that impulse that you wish something bad would happen to somebody else because of how they're acting? I know I can't. I can work on it. I can make it better. But sometimes those things come unbidden and unwelcome. But they're there. Especially that initial gut reaction that, like that, is in your head. So the question then arises, what can we do? And for me, the answer is, this is about how you confront those things in your heart. This is about how you take on that evil within so that it doesn't become the evil that comes out. And it means being thoughtful. It means being reflective means acknowledging that those things exist. And more than that, it acknowledges that we need God's help to make sure that we can change. It's easy for those things to pop up. It could be something as simple as somebody saying the wrong thing. And it upsets us. But it's our response, what comes out of us, that's going to define who we are and how people see us. And the choice is then between love and hate. Am I oversimplifying? Yes and no. Are situations more complicated than a dualistic idea of love and hate? Yeah. Of course things are more complicated. But... When we break those overly complicated ideas down, no matter how complicated it is, it comes down to those two things. Which one do we give in to? Which one do we choose? And this happens every day of our lives with how we choose to think about others and how we choose to express those thoughts. And it also presents us with another problem. If we say all the right things, but don't mean them, are we actually confronting those problems that we find within our own hearts, or are we simply masking them? For me, this parable comes down to what we are willing to let go of and how we are willing to change. Not simply that we don't say those things. Not simply that we don't act on them. Yes, 
That is an important first step. I don't want to downplay that. If you feel like killing somebody, a good first step is to not act on it. But where do we go from there? Is not acting on it good enough? How do we address that thought? Because that thought itself is a sin. That thought itself is something that we need to change. And this is where prayer and reflection come in. That we pray for Christ to step in and help us to change how we think, and then we figure out ways that we can change with Christ. We must be active in that change. It means figuring out why we thought that in the first place and why those thoughts were the first ones to come to mind. Why that thought even arose in our hearts at all and how we can change it. And this is one of the hardest things that we take on as Christians. Because, of course, we can say, well, I've never killed anyone. I must be doing great. I'm glad you haven't. But does the anger still reside? Is that thought still in your heart? Is that hate still living within you? And if it's there, how else may it be trying to come out? Does it come out in snide remarks and harsh words towards others? Does it come out with uncaring statements when someone else is struggling? Does it show itself as unkindness, as bigotry, as greed, as bullying, as condescension? Because all those things come from within the heart, too. And sometimes those are much harder to recognize. But it does mean that we look at all of our thoughts and all of our actions, and we look at them all through Christ. One of the big things that Jesus is telling us in this parable is that we are responsible for our actions. If we can think about the food that we eat and we think about how it affects us, if we think about the small things that we think impact our relationship with God, we have to be able to confront the big things. That we can't be content with thinking that if we clear out those small problems and we appear to be right with God, that we are right with God. Because appearances aren't enough. Because appearances can be deceiving. One of the ways that we begin this journey is asking Christ to help us be honest with ourselves. Now, this issue, I think, is much bigger than I could ever cover in one sermon. It possibly is bigger than I could cover in a year's worth of sermons. So today I give you the starting point. We confront the evil within 
by acknowledging there is evil within. And by acknowledging it, we are honest with ourselves and we are honest with God. And that honesty allows us to recognize things that need to change. And that honesty opens us up to be willing to make those changes. As we discussed last week about change, change is a good thing. Especially in this context. Because no matter how loving or how caring we may appear, if we carry around that baggage in our hearts, then we aren't right with God because we are setting ourselves up for failure. Because we aren't willing to let go of the evil within. It's not enough not to show it. We need to let it go. Now this week, we will be celebrating Thanksgiving in the many different ways that we do. And as we think about all that we are thankful for, let us also be thankful that God is there to help us address these problems. And let us take that thankfulness and turn it into action. That because we are thankful, we are willing to be honest in our hearts so that we are willing to change. Because we are thankful for the good things around us, we will find a way to change our hearts that we can be even more grateful for all that we have and more willing to share. That as we enter into the Advent season, we find a way to let Christ reside within us and be born again within our hearts that we may confront the evil within and we may overcome with mercy and gladness, with faith and rejoicing, with gratitude and grace, that we may be thankful that Christ is with us, that no matter what may reside within us, as long as Christ is within us as well, we may overcome anything that may stand between us and God. And for that, I am truly thankful. Amen.